Hey, welcome back to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. We're continuing on with our Embodied Catholic Leader Series. We're talking about... Optimizing resources. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, and we're talking about decision-making today and how fear gets in the way of making decisions. And this is important because when you don't know how to make good decisions, you don't know how to optimize your resources. So Mm -hmm. we're looking at these different fears through the different lenses of the temperaments And we're going to give you some really tangible questions and techniques to kind of, I don't know, bring those fears through. And so maybe you can come out on the other side feeling a little bit more capable. I I think it's important to know fear will never lead to optimizing resources. And it's, it's, it's the one thing that people often make decisions out of fear and they end up showing up like the wicked lazy servant that mm-hmm. did not optimize his resources. So we want to identify, help you identify what are those fears that are showing up and then what are some ways that you can neutralize or short circuit those fears with a little bit of self-coaching that we're going to teach you so that you can stop showing up as the wicked lazy servant that did not invest resources well, show up as a good and faithful servant that invested resources well and was rewarded handsomely for it. It's a good one. We'll Come and join there. us. Hey folks, welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I am Aaron. We are the Ingolds, the founders of Metanoia Catholic, where we aim to make mindset coaching authentically Catholic and practical. We just love to take all of these tools and techniques and share them with you on this podcast. We also train and coach other Catholic coaches. Come on into the podcast. Hey, welcome back. Tis the season. Yes, look at us. We look like a candy cane. It's actually like below 70 degrees in (laughs) southwest Florida. Woke up and was a chilly 53 this morning. You guys were all thinking we were going to say below zero, but it's not just below 70. We're in South Florida right now. Because we are a bunch of pansies Where all the hard people live. (laughs) The hard young people. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. Okay. Sweater weather. So here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about optimizing resources. Last week we talked about the stewards, the the parable of the wicked and lazy servant. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then the good and faithful servant. And then the good and faithful servant. I loved that one. That was cool. I'm really excited about that one. I feel like we, been... should, we need to be doing that more, like reflecting on scripture. Makes sense, right? Where do you guys God, like that right? idea? Where Go ahead and coaches comment. Replace your, the words in your mind with the words of God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to start over-talking you when you start talking next time. I don't So do we that. can both talk So together. we can both over-talk? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to hear more of those, like scriptural you know, reflections, go ahead and comment if you are watching this on YouTube. And if you aren't, go to YouTube and subscribe. That'd be super cool. Anyway, okay, so let's get back to what we're talking about, optimizing resources. Yeah, and I like laying the foundation or a quick, very quick recap of of last week's podcast because I think Mm -hmm. that the good and faithful steward and the wicked lazy uh, servant, let's call them what the scripture says, servants, mm-hmm. I think they, they create really good um, models, Models, I guess you could say. Because when we talk about optimizing resources, which one of those servants optimized their resources, Doubled. used them well, invested them well, obviously the good and faithful servant, okay? So uh, what we are, are going to be exploring today are those fears that incline us to show up as that wicked, lazy servant. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and just again drawing from last week's podcast, what are some distinctions that we saw? Some key distinctions, and this is our reflection, right? So take it to discernment. You know, we're a couple of you know Catholics that are just reflecting on scripture mm-hmm. here. Our our reflection revealed that there is a couple of key distinctions. All right, the first key distinction is that the good and faithful servant saw the master as good and loved him. Mm-hmm. The wicked lazy servant had some questions on the goodness of the master. Yeah, there was definitely a lack of trust. Yes. And and he even said, I knew you to be a harsh man. Yes. Dare we say there was some mm-hmm. resentment that was there. Hey, you're you're like I'm doing all the work and you're I'm I'm planting all the seeds and you're getting all the profit. What what's that how's that work? All right. So that's that's one thing. Another one is is that the good and faithful servant recognize his place as a servant and his purpose being serving the master, right? Found his purpose in that. The wicked, lazy servant denied that purpose, did not see his purpose, or whether or not he did, he mm-hmm. he denied that purpose, okay? So other things. Uh, and then finally here, the good, good and faithful servant saw everything that he had as belonging to the master, coming from the master mm-hmm. and belonging to the master. Whereas wicked, lazy servant... Um, saw the master really as a thief, stealing things that didn't belong to me. You you grow where you did not plant, and you reap where you did not sow. So there are some things that didn't belong to the master, and he wants to kind of call the master out for that. So these are, these are some foundational distinctions, okay? And we all have the capability of showing up as either one of these servants. There's an underlying emotion, I'd say, that was that was characteristic of that wicked, lazy servant as well that led him to mismanage mm-hmm. the resources that he had, and that was fear. All I would right. say it's three, but we are going to be talking about the fear. But we're going to be exploring fear. Yes. But what are the, you say three? What are yeah. one, two, three? Pride, Pride. sloth, okay. sloth, wait, lazy, mm-hmm. and um, fear. Fear, yeah. okay. So fear, we can s- fear was the only one he owned up to. <laughs> yes, I was afraid. And this is like, uh, St. Jerome says, that's not a good excuse. Okay. Yeah. So, so what we're going to be exploring here on this podcast is is going through some of the common thoughts based on temperaments, right? On our experience here that we've found coaching people. Yes. Some common thoughts that, that can incline people to fear and then show up as that wicked, la- wicked lazy servant. And then there's one element that else. we're leaving out because, and this is a really big piece. And we talked about talking about this last week and it's how you make decisions, like if we okay. were to put this entire podcast and name it, it'd be like, how do you make better decisions with your resources? Okay. Okay. Because there are things that get in the way of us making good decisions. And it's usually fear. Mm-hmm. It's usually okay. some type of fear. And each one of the temperaments fears different things and actually gets in the way of us making better decisions. So if you are not a leader who's in charge of a company or an organization or team, but you're like, I just want to learn how to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. This you can still listen to this podcast, and it would still be really helpful because you're like, I don't even care about resources right now, <laughs> but I just want to be, make better decisions. This this you could listen to this this podcast and be helped actually. But also, most decisions that we make in life have to do with resources. Right. So, and I do want to make that connection. Or not. Yes. I, yes. I want to make that connection because usually it's like, 
how much time and energy do I want to give to this particular thing? Mm -hmm. And where do I want to cut it off? Which the actual word decision means to cut off, Mm -hmm. decide, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually to cut off. But it usually has something to do with resources in some way, in some way or form. Yeah, you're cutting off an option and how you're going to spend or invest those resources. Yes. So it's just like, ah, I'm not going to go to medical school, I'm going to go to law school. I'm cutting off the decision to go to medical yes. school. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, so just a brief brief recap of tying all of this stuff in together. We're talking about resources, we're talking about optimizing resources, and we're talking about um how decisions affect what we do with resources. Because we could argue that that wicked and lazy servant made really poor decisions Mm -hmm. based off of, yes, over and over and over again, based off of his thinking and his fear. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so we want to get to the root of of those those mindsets or those questions that are are evoking that fear, Mm -hmm. right? Because that fear is always going to send us down the path of the wicked lazy servant versus investing those resources and making good decisions yeah. like the good and faithful servant. Another another foundational premise here that I think is important here is is when we talk about when we talk about resources in general here folks, I think we can draw from this parable that the nature of a resource and the purpose of mm-hmm. a resource is to be invested and to bear fruit. And to double like yeah. from the parable I anyway. Mean, certainly certainly the, the master you know, and master gave these resources and then he was expecting some sort of return. I mean, that was even the chastisement for the wicked lazy. You didn't even put it in the bank, right? Mm-hmm. Where I could have made some interest on it. So all of the resources, whether it's your time, it's your money, it's your talents, it's your, your, your strength, your focus, your energy that you have, God has given them to you. They're his. He's given them to you to steward. And the expectation is that we are going to invest those resources, right? Mm-hmm. And the mindset of the good and faithful su- servant is one where it, it inclines you to invest prudently, mm-hmm. okay? The mindset of the wicked, lazy servant is one that operates from fear and inclines you to hoard those resources and not to invest them. And we, when we do that, folks... We bury them. Yeah. We, we, we deny the very function of the resources, mm. right? So it's, it, we start to dysfunctionally use or abuse, abuse the resources that God has given to us. We're not using them for the proper function. Mm. We're not using them the way that they were intended to be used. Which, interestingly enough, leads you to greed, Right. Like avarice. Avarice yeah. is a misuse Greed, of, of wealth. Jealousy, yeah. more and, and like even even more fear. It creates mm-hmm. it creates an environment that, that again it fosters that fear, which is that that re- repetitive cycle. All right. So what we wanna teach you today is how to disrupt that fear cycle, mm-hmm. right? With first acknowledging where you might be inclined to some of these different mindsets that we're gonna be exploring, but also uh ways that you can mm-hmm. short circuit those things and kind of disrupt there, ask some better questions that, that start to incline you more to that mindset of the good and faithful suit. Yeah. Steward. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's bring it back to decisions. Okay. Because that's what we're talking about here today, how to make better decisions with our resources. Mm-hmm. The thing that we see the most, um, the what if question that we see the most when it comes to, Um, keeping somebody from making any decision is what if I make the wrong decision? 
Now, wrong is very nuanced. It kind of, it depends on who's saying the statement, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody has a different version of what wrong is. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're going to be looking at the temperaments. Yes. Right. Because temperaments are driven, motivated by different things. And so, therefore, depending on your temperament, yes. you may be inclined to, you know, judge what a wrong decision is look like different from another. Right. Another. Right. Okay. So, if I were to be coaching somebody, I would say, define wrong you know what mm-hmm. does wrong mean and so we're going to give be giving you kind of nuances of how each temperament fears different things mm-hmm. and then also give you some applications of how to work through those fears if you happen to be struggling with these cool ready to do it yeah what do we i think we got like what two or three fears per temperament yeah yeah here? yeah, yeah. T- around two or three and, and like i think it's important here folks it's like we all bear we all have some if, like of these temperaments in us. And so just because you may be dominant phlegmatic doesn't mean that you will have no residence in what mm-hmm. the melancholic fears or the choleric fears, okay? So you may, like all the above, you know, say, well, I've had that fear at some point. But again, we're just kind of exploring these and, and uh, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, so Matt, as a cleric. Okay, we'll start with clerics. Common yeah. fears to the cleric. Um, what fears get in the way of you making a decision like what would you yeah like what like what do you consider a wrong decision I guess okay so like one of the things that like I I don't want to look foolish that's one Mm -hmm. thing like my my biggest fear is like um one of the one of the parables that that stands out is when Christ says like which of you have like you're going to you know, build a building would not count the cost and figure mm-hmm. out, like, do the work ahead of time to see how much it's going to cost. Like, lest you be that person that, like, gets to the place and they just run out of money and mm-hmm. everybody looks on you and says, like, you fool, you didn't really, like, plan ahead. That is something that I'm, I, I don't want to be looked at as by others as the fool. Okay. That's one thing. All right. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Why, 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 like, is that? Why is that bad? Bad, yeah. What? Why is looking like a fool bad? Well, if I if I should have known if I could have known better or should mm-hmm. have known better, that means that I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like just or worse, I'm just negligent. Yeah. Like I'm lazy. Like I'm a wicked lazy servant at that point. It's just like ah like that for me is like oh Lord, I mm-hmm. do not want to hear those words. Lord, blessed mother, help me. Um so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like even in the context of leadership too. Like what if your team saw you looking foolish? Like is there another fear there? Because I, I've seen this in coaching cholerics where it's like nobody will follow me after this. If I look foolish, if I make the stupid, the the foolish decision, yeah, now I'll look inadequate. Sure, yeah, like, like there's there's that too. I mean, and mm-hmm. that I don't know if that's every cleric, but that's kind of like my personal. I know a personal wound is like no one will ever follow you. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's come up in, in my journaling and time and time again. And so like that that need to be perfect in order to be you know Followed. for for people to follow you, mm-hmm. like to and and it's not like following you for the sake of following you, but like following you. And I'm sure there's some pride that's woven in here, folks. Like vanity of vanity, I, I've got it. Uh, but also like a desire to to lead people towards a vision mm-hmm. that I think is a very good, holy, well discerned vision that's going to be for that's going to bring great glory to God. Mm-hmm. 
So am I answering your questions? Yeah. I'm not sure where we're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, I just, I think I, I've seen, an, like I've coached people on this where it's like, I don't want to look foolish because therefore I believe that I'm inadequate and that I didn't like think ahead, but also the implications on others. That's okay. the only reason why I'm bringing that up because we're talking about leadership. Okay. All right. Are we going through the questions now or like, cause you've got a, you've got a list of, of questions here that are here. Like yeah. I kind of want to go through these first three and then we can address each one. Okay. Can we do all that? Right. So, all right. So we, we, the first three is like, yeah, that what if I look foolish? The next one, what if people don't trust me after I make a wrong decision? Mm-hmm. All right. And then what if I end up wasting all my time on this investment decision and it doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That may or may not have come up recently. Recently, yeah. So that's a common. Fresh. And once again, Those are guys, three, three common fear thoughts that could pop up for a cleric. Yeah, and then what? Once again, guys, you know, if you relate to this and you're not a cleric, that's okay. Just mm-hmm. you know, I guess listen to what what we have suggested for you okay so let's work through these like let's can we start with like we kind of already did the foolish one do you think we gotta explore that a little bit more yeah i i love this saying and i heard it the other day it's if you're not willing to suck at something you're not going to get better at it and i think i don't know for me that is that's motivating Mm -hmm. that will kind of get me out of it it's like oh oh this is the part where I can look a little foolish, but this is like, it's kind of a progression towards a better, mm-hmm. it, towards excelling, towards growing. Well, I all, this. yeah, I, and I also don't hold my daughter up to the same standard. Mm-hmm. Like I recognize that for my daughter, who's five years old, that there's a season where she's just learning and she's just going to, she's not going to know how to tie her shoes. She's not going to know how to, how to, um, you know, multiply or add or whatever. Like she's not going to know something. Mm-hmm. And I, and I often don't, don't extend that same mercy to myself mm-hmm. with this. So like this, I need to be foolish. I think there's a foundational belief there that I, I need to be, I need to be done fully baked now. Mm. Right. And that's the something impatience. that's, well, yeah, yeah, there's the, there's an urgency or there's a shame that mm-hmm. shows up with not being the, the finished product, the final product that's there. Mm. So, so like not wanting to look foolish and how this might lead to decisions that end end up hoarding versus investing those those resources is exa- exactly that. Like I'm afraid that if I make this investment, even though there might be some, and there's a difference here, folks, with like fear and prudence, mm-hmm. okay, and then the virtue of caution, right? Fear is 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 when we are. Uh, there is well, it's uh, not informed of ir- by reason, right? Is there's yeah. there's an irrationality around it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's and usually an urgency. when we're talking about like the, the fear that Christ says, "Be be not afraid," because there's some things to fear, right? He also says like fear, mm-hmm. um, well, to fear those things that can you know destroy the the soul, but rather mm-hmm. destroy the body. Like so, there's there's prudent fears mm-hmm. that's there as well. Isn't there, isn't there a virtue of fear we did an entire podcast on this yeah all okay. the different species of fear based okay. off of saint thomas aquinas i don't know what number it is but yeah there's a lot of different types of fear okay okay so and and the word fear that's been used in the bible there's different like yes uh, words for them so i don't want to look foolish i can see how this can be one of these when it's motivated by fear mm-hmm. can be something that leads you to not invest because you're afraid that the investment won't pan out the way that you liked it, mm-hmm. you hoped that it would, and 
And then ultimately later on, you don't invest and maybe it would have paid off and then you look foolish for not or you feel foolish for not making the investment. I think it's ultimately you're afraid of feeling the emotion of shame. Okay. And and I, yeah. I think all of these, I think honestly, I think all of the temperaments have a different fear, like of feeling a certain emotion, mm-hmm. right? So I don't it's, think any of them like shame though. Yeah, nobody really likes shame. I want to say that, but yeah, like it's like Peter Malinowski, Doctor Hughes is like all roads lead to shame. Yeah, like avoidance of shame. Yeah, I think that's what's happening here. It's just like trying to avoid the shame okay. here, so, and and really these these applications are just opening up the pathways. Is like there's not just one way. There's not just you're not stuck in this one trajectory. That like, hey, you have to beat yourself up after this. Yeah. So are you willing to just suck? At optimizing the resources yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. Right. You're just willing to suck at what it. What I love about that question is it it completely turns you around and it makes you go, okay, what is the best use of these resources? What is the point of these resources? It like allows the cleric to be logical, which is their gift, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and to go into that rational place and be like, Okay, yeah. what is what is what are these resources for and how can we optimize them because ultimately they may say yeah i am willing to suck at this to actually mm-hmm. get better and to actually invest in the right resources yeah yeah okay so next next fear here what if some what if people don't trust me after i make a wrong decision mm-hmm. i just like i like whenever i'm coaching somebody with this is i ask them a question who do you trust more somebody who doesn't make the right decision right away. I guess we could argue, say, makes a mistake, but gets right back up, is resilient, continues to learn. Admits fault. Admits fault, creates trust because they admit fault, and they have self-compassion, and then therefore compassion for you. They have hope in the future. And, I mean, do you, that person or the person who never makes mistakes and it's kind of like rationally, like not really a real person because, you know, humans do make mistakes and we are imperfect, but like a weird, perfect robot. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know I'm like totally leading the witness. Which one is cooler? I, but- I, I, th- I, I think of um, West Point graduates and Ulysses S. Grant, right? Uh-huh. Led the Union Army, also was one of our presidents. And then uh, Robert E. Lee, both of them were classmates at West Point and they fought on different sides of the Civil War. And Grant had tons of demerits. And Robert E. Lee had no demerits while at West Point. And Grant said, that's why I don't trust him. <laughs> ah, so <laughs> there you go. Because he had no demerits, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a humanity, well, like there's a, some something that's worth trusting. It's like you're really good at hiding. Right. Yeah. I, I think any rational person would say that, would be like, wow, I don't see any imperfections in you. Like weird. <laughs> I know. And I'm eating, drinking condemnation on myself because that. Naval Academy, I had no demerits. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Don't I don't trust, trust you. I don't trust you, Matt. No, I'm R- just kidding. Okay. I, I live with you. I see that you are human. So Okay, so like just, just knowing that who are the people that you're gonna trust more if you if you feel like you're or you're afraid of people not trusting you, just recognize that trust is built. I, I remember this from the Marine Corps too. Uh from MCDP five, our publication on war fighting. Uh trust is built on on shared adversity and demonstrated competency. Mm, okay. That doesn't mean being perfect. Right. Like you're you're <laughs> you're in it with the other person and over time you're demonstrating competency or at least a growth in competency. Mm-hmm. And so uh 
a, a way of demonstrating competency could be recognizing fault quickly or recognizing when we need to pivot quickly and then making that move to pivot rather than doubling down on an incompetent way forward. Yeah, or, or recognizing when you've made a wrong decision and mm-hmm. turning it around. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, good, as best you can. Okay, yeah. and then what if I end up, next Next thought, what if I end up wasting all my time on this investment and the uh, decision and it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I like, I like um, first of all, going, you're either warning, oh, sorry. Warning. warning. You're warning. <laughs> There's a couple routes I want to take with this. <laughs> um, all right. What if you are either winning or you're learning? Okay. Okay. So I it, like that. This is like such a dramatic statement. What if I end up wasting all of my time on this investment and it doesn't work out? Like it's so. That's a choice. Dramatic. Like I, 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 when I approach this one, it's just like, okay. Because this one has come up recently for me. What was my decision? Why did I make this decision? Mm -hmm. And then what do I want to make this decision mean? Even like what is the worst case scenario? The Mm -hmm. absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. That's realistic. Not like a meteor is going to come and blah, blah, blah. But like a, a realistic worst case scenario. What is it? And then should that befall me? How do I want to look at that, right? First mm-hmm. of all, am I, am, I, am I willing? Because when I made the decision beforehand and I looked at that worst case scenario, I said, I'm willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Am I still willing to do that? And if not, why? I want to get curious about that, what changed. But then like, just, just starting with the worst case scenario and be like, okay, say that befalls. How do I want to look at this so that it's not, I can still look at this as a win at yeah. the end of the day? Yep. Because... I, I, I love that. Um, yeah. How Dan, do I want to look Dan at Sullivan, this? Dan Sullivan, gap and gain. Like we get to decide what a win is. We get to dis- decide what success, how we're going to, if we're going to look at what's happened and mm-hmm. the investments we made and say whether or not they're successful. Yeah. And one so more thing kind. too is like the cleric really hates wasting time, you know? And sure. so you could ask the cleric too, like how much time have you been spending on even just making this decision. Mm-hmm. How much time have we already wasted in just going back and forth, right? And yes. trying to make this and vacillating decision. on right. this. Okay. And so like, we're just going to stay the course. Boom. We're going. No, like we've burned the boats on this one. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Okay. All right. So sanguine, we got three fear thoughts for sanguine. Aaron, you want to run through those? Yeah. Yeah. What if I end up regretting my decision or changing my mind and there's no way out? Mm. Yeah, I think um, that's one. That's one. Next one. Next one is what if the decision has permanent consequences? Okay, and then the next one. And then what if what if I disappoint others? What if this decision kind of has negative consequences on others Got and it. they feel disappointed? Got it. Okay, so what if I end up? Let's go back to that first one. What mm-hmm. if I end up regretting my decision or changing my mind, and there's no way out? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. How might we approach some, how might we coach somebody or, or have somebody do some self-coaching on that thought? Um, this, this question was really helpful for me when I was making a big decision moving car- across country and I eventually met you after I moved across country, but it was like- Good fruits uh, on that one. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's to counter that question, that word regret. Mm-hmm. And it's like, on my deathbed, what would I regret not doing? Mm-hmm in this situation. Okay. 
And, you know, here I was in this time in my life where I had time and some resources to spend to go across and live and find another job and go across the country, something Mm -hmm. that I always wanted to do. And it was like, yeah, I think I would regret not doing that. I think, I think I would be making this decision from a place of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of that question is, or what if change, what if I end up changing my mind and there's no way out? Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of being like, Redecide your decisions every day. Okay. So I think it helps the sanguine growing conviction of just being like, all right, what was the decision I made yesterday? And do I want to continue to make this decision moving forward? Do I want to continue to make this decision? And there's a conviction that comes with that. And I think it's important for the sanguine to know that's right? The, the way that you're wired emotionally is very, very big and excited in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of tapers off, right? And so that's where some of that flightiness ten- tendency or just moving to whatever the, you know, squirrel, whatever just the inconsistency, yeah, the inconsistency yeah. can show up. Just, just know that the sanguine is going to have to consistently work at generating that motivation if they really want to sustain be you know be on a sustained path so leaning into some of those ideal conditions that do sustain you it's not all just you and your mindset work but like how are you going to shape your environment to make it very easy to 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 like be sustained on that journey here i also think too here where it's like i end up changing my mind as if that's not a choice to change your mind like like there's a belief behind that where it's like, oh, my mind and my desire makes all of the decisions mm-hmm. at the moment. And and I think going ahead and saying, no, every day I'm going to give myself that opportunity to re-decide this. Mm-hmm. It teaches your brain that y- you are cognitively in like in control yeah. of this, yes. that you are rationally, you are r- rationally making this decision over and over and over again. Yeah. The other thing about regret, we've said it before, folks, like regret is a decision also. Like mm-hmm. regret comes from a thought, I should have done blank, blank. Yeah. back when. So that's a thought and that thought will lead to this emotion of regret. If you don't want to feel regret, choose a different thought. Like you don't, you can make a decision ahead of time that I am not going to regret this. And literally what mm-hmm. that means is I'm not going to think this thought I should have done something differently. Yeah. A little side note here, though, too. Regret has been given to us as a gift from God, too, as well. So we can regret our sins, and that can bring us to contrition and go to confession, which is super helpful. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things that we regret, like you were saying, Matt, that, like, don't need to be regretted. Well, it's not like an immoral decision that right, we made. Right, right, okay. exactly. Got it, okay. So next next uh, thought here. What if the decision has permanent consequences? Ooh, that's a heavy word, permanent. Yeah, and sequence hate permanence because they like movement they like to like there's nothing worse than constricting a sanguine, like putting like, I don't know, just like making them feel like they are not free. I Got know it. that's like a really weird statement, but um, twelve years of marriage to a sanguine. <laughs> I know, I know. So my first question to this is, how permanent is this decision? Because I okay. think a lot of people have this fear, and then they don't actually say, like, is it permanent? Okay. Right. All right. So we have there's marriage, right? We understand mm-hmm. that marriage is permanent, mm-hmm. and but there's a series of decisions, <laughs> like. 
thousands, like hundreds of thousands of decisions that happen before making that, like unless if a person is kneeling in front of you asking you to marry them and you have to make this decision based off of no other information. Okay, so it's like, is are there other micro decisions that you can move, Always. move forward yes. that are going to move you forward? And eventually you just get to, yeah, you get to like the more permanent decision. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it's as simple as like, hey, you want to go on a date? That's the first decision. Hey, do you want to go on a second date? That's the second decision. Most hey, decisions are not like, permanent. Like, That's what I'm saying. Do you want to talk about marriage? That's not. Yes. Like, okay. So there's, yeah. So there's a, there's a progression to those things. And so when we start to assign permanence onto a decision that really, it's really not doesn't have it, right? Yeah. It's inappropriate. Okay, it can lead to that that fear, and that fear again leads to that hoarding, and then we don't really make decisions on how to use our time well. Right, right, and that permanence kind of makes you feel trapped like that, yeah. like that. So when you actually can put it on a scale, how permanent is this? Ten being super permanent, and one being not at all. Okay, <laughs> you know, put it on a scale, and then I also like if this if this decision doesn't work out. What are my plan B, plan C, plan D? What are other decisions that I can pivot to mm-hmm. if this thing isn't permanent and, and this doesn't work out? Yeah, and I think it's I think it's important. Whenever you're doing that here, folks, because like there's some that will say, hey, make a decision and burn the boats. There is no plan B or C or D because that as long as you have plan B, C or mm-hmm. D, you're not going to be all in on plan A. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well... In the military, we had something called no-go criteria or abort criteria for a mission. Like when we hit a certain point, it would be foolish or reckless to continue moving forward. Yeah. So you can identify what some of that no-go criteria is where it's like we don't even step step across the line of departure. We don't even mm-hmm. start, right? Or some of that abort criteria, what that is. So it's just like, okay, if by such and such a date, we don't see the battlefield doesn't look like this or my life doesn't look like this, then it's time to pivot to plan B, right? And you make that decision ahead of time because in the moments you've got all these other emotions that are going on. There's just like, wow, ah, well, you know, it's, it's not the best, you're not in the best headspace no. to make that Especially pivot decision. Afraid. Right. Usually. So yeah. that's, yeah, there's, there's fear that's there. And it's just like, okay, it's great to be able to make some criteria mm-hmm. or decision criteria ahead of time when you're in this like a sober place and yeah know. and that's why like even just giving yourself that permission when you find that this this is not a permanent decision and that there could be a way out but you're still deciding you're so convicted and moving forward on that it just if i need to pivot here is plan b here's plan c here's plan d mm-hmm. i think it helps you to start moving and and stop you know, vacillating back yes. and forth. Okay. So having some contingencies there that can kind of short circuit that, that permanence fear that's mm-hmm. there. And finally here, uh, final thought, thought for the sanguine that induces fear. What if I disappoint others? Um, I like to ask the question, what if you aren't that powerful? <laughs> um, do you have a mind control tool in your back pocket? Like other people's disappointment comes from their own thinking. I am not saying that you don't, walk around that that you start walking around being a jerk and being like that's your own thinking we're not saying that but there comes a point where you you have to be acting as a free adult and then allow other people to have thoughts well about this yeah and the other thing about disappointment disappointment it's an emotion 
It's a nuance of, of sorrow or even you might say despair mm-hmm. um, that uh, I failed to arrive at a, an appointed place. Literally, disappoint means failure to arrive at an appointment. Okay, so um, what does that mean? Uh, it All disappointment does is it lets you know that you failed to arrive at that appointment. That's it. In somebody and that, else's and that's mind. Good. So like, but dis- sitting in disappointment never gets you to the next appointment or next never gets you to the appointment, right? So disappointment is good to kind of, for, for space and time to let you know that you wanted to go here, this level, and you ended up somewhere below it. And the delta between is the level of disappointment that you have. But then at some point you choose to stop being disappointed in the same way that like other people you can do things that do cause disappointment or cause you know you to not achieve that expectation other people had and so therefore they're gonna, they're going to feel disappointment but they don't they don't have to stay there permanently that's yeah. what i'm getting at yeah but you're talking about feeling disappointment yourself but i'm saying no you even them want, like right 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 and and what i'm saying is we have to let them own their own thoughts and emotions about this like mm-hmm. What if you just let them be wrong about you or right about you? Maybe they're right that you didn't make me meet that appointment, mm-hmm. but just let them have their thoughts about you. Yes. And I, that is freedom. Guys, when, 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 I, when I realized that I could just let people have their own thoughts and sometimes I was, you know, in the way of that and sometimes I was in their thoughts and sometimes they weren't the greatest thoughts, but I could just let them have it. It was like freedom for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's yours. That's not mine. Wrong address. None, none of my business. Cool. All right. Let's go to the melancholic. So melancholic, uh, three of those common fears. What if I lose everything and can't recover? Right? I mean, you see, go catastrophic mm-hmm. there. What if this is not what God wants for my organization, my family? What is my, my life, team. my company, my team? What if this is not what God wants? What if I later realize that this decision was driven by greed or vice or something? Mm-hmm. Ugh, something, my own evil was what was behind this. What if I discover that later on? Okay. Mm-hmm. So what if I lose everything uh, and can't recover? I like this. This is like a double <coughs> extreme statement. It's like, what if I lose everything and then can't recover? You know, there's like two. So I'll break it up into Worst case scenario. What is the probability of you losing everything on a scale of one to 10? Yeah. Everything. What is the probability of that happening? Mm-hmm. That's my first question. And then the second one is what is the probability of you not recovering scale of one to 10? Yeah. And I think even here, what you're doing is you're, you're kind of, you're, even as I receive that, it's like, okay, I kind of feel silly saying, what if I lose everything and I can't recover? Cause those are, those are both two extremes that require some sort of a, a, a de- definition to them. Like define what everything is, right? All your, your money, all your, like your, your house, like what, what, and what, what is the problem? Like let's, your family, like, cause, yeah. cause let's get a picture of what, what this everything is that you're talking about right, right. first and like make it objective and then bring it to the one through 10 scale what's the likelihood that you're going to lose all of all of everything that, right yeah. so it's like all your your instagram followers all like everything that that's that's on there and then it's just like okay what what what's let's talk worst case scenario here as well i think worst case scenario is something that's helpful for the melancholic mm-hmm. to go through because they're already thinking about it they're just like bringing it out to the light right but like as soon as you start to 
to introduce these Dissect big it. universal terms that mm-hmm. that have no that have no real like they have an arbitrary measurement like everything mm-hmm. or always or whatever like when we start to put some flesh on those bones and be like so let's like just define what this is there's something that's very it's it's just grounding yeah for the melancholic that loves to live in the abstract and in their head right it's this is this is something that's very grounding for me yeah i think i think just asking yeah when you do use those universal words always never everything mm-hmm. can't you know just like what is the probability of this like really happening mm-hmm. um i i think there's something every t- single time i use this with people and I'm coaching them. Um, and this is one of our drills that we train our coaches. So even when people have been using this in their um, certification videos, immediately every person that is asked this question goes, oh, like a two, <laughs> like immediate. There's just this, yeah. this mellowing at balancing that happens mm-hmm. here. And then their mind goes to, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like it doesn't solve everything, but it just grounds you. Yeah. And again, like that, that you can see how that statement, that's an irrational statement and it's going to lead to irrational fear and irrational fear is going to lead to that hoarding, Mm -hmm. like let's take what we got and bury it in the sand, right? And make sure, yeah, let's, let's that. Okay. So this next one, what if this is not what God wants? Yeah. I, I mean, there's, this is one of those. This is a questions. big one. This, this one, one comes those, up a lot. Well, this is one of those questions. It's it's a it's a pretty question, right? Because one of my first thoughts is like, hmm. well, if God doesn't want it, then He won't allow it to happen. There's like so so everything that like you say, what is God's will? It's like well, everything you're surrounded by, it. like whatever's happening, God is willing it to happen, right? May not necessarily be His perfect will that he wants. I think that's really what the question is. Like, what is, what is God's perfect will for this situation? Mm-hmm. All right. And one of the, I, I, I like to look at this again as, all right, first of all, are we talking about a decision that's, that's where you're, you're between a moral choice and an immoral choice. Yeah. yeah right? right. This is like, this we're is just assuming one. that, so you we're assuming that, making. yeah, we're we're assuming that we're choosing between two moral goods mm-hmm. that are here, right? So there's nothing objectively sinful that's that's at stake here. Okay, so that's like the one thing, mm-hmm. and then also like from there, it's just like there's there's doing the absolute best that you can mm-hmm. based on what you've been given, and taking the time to discern and pray through it, and then ultimately you make a decision, and then you take a look at the fruits, right? Take a look at the fruits of those decisions. You reflect on it. And the, I think there's a presumption here that God is not involved in that whole process of making the decision or he's not there supporting us mm-hmm. or helping us or giving us insight and grace. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a discomfort or there's not going to be any reason for faith mm-hmm. or there's not going to be a per- or, or, or that we need to have a perfect certainty in order to move forward. So since we have perfect certainty, we don't need faith anymore yeah. folks yeah right and if we don't need faith we don't really need god mm-hmm. right so so just ex- i think it's important to expect that we're we can get some clarity but not necessarily certainty in mm-hmm. these situations uh around this question now i am not a melancholic but i have had this question before 
And my spiritual director said, are you praying about this decision? I said, yes. He said, okay, what has God revealed to you about this? I said, nothing. (laughs) And he said, well, maybe he's allowing you to make this decision so that you can remain close to him, so that you can cling to him. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I'm going to throw another question in here because I think I love this question and I think especially when you're in that situation that I just described, you are praying about it, you're not getting a clear answer, and quite possibly the Lord might be inviting you in to make this decision yourself, okay? So here's the question. If God's blessings were on either side of these options, option one, option two, that's what a decision is between two options. Mm -hmm. If God's blessing was on either side of this, on, on both which would you prefer? It's a great way to simplify it. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then it just, and then start pursuing it because we already know it's a moral, dis- you know, we, we know it's not in between an immoral act and a moral act. We know mm-hmm. it's two goods. And then, hey, if this were up to you and his blessings were on either side, which one would you choose? Mm-hmm. Which one do you mm-hmm. prefer? Yeah. Which kind of, I think, rolls over into this next one here where it's just like, yes. okay, what if I, I later I realized that my decision was driven by my vice? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I had just, you know, I had this hidden greed or this hidden pride or this hidden vanity that or, was there. There's just like just, a suspicion of desire, too. Okay. I think yeah. there's that as okay. well. So, right. So there's a suspicion of even my own preferences, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking that it's like, it's, it's tainted, dirty, right? Okay. So, Which is a heresy too, by the way. What's that? Like a desire at the very root of it, at the very root of the desire. Yeah. Like it, it is yeah. not tainted so, because it's for God, but obviously we have layers. And when you say heresy, like what you're referring to is like, we don't see ourselves as a Calvinist would see right. where it's like, we have a, a nature that's been perverted or, mm-hmm. you know, at its core, but rather it's been wounded, right? Snow covered. So there's still, there's still a homing beacon in us for God mm-hmm. at the, at the core. We still desire good and have an understanding like in our conscience here and our, that, that what, what good looks like. Right. And it can be vastly distorted by a, a malformed conscience. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but it, at the core, like we still, we still know, which is why the person that's never heard the 10 commandments, it goes out and murders people hmm. like St. Thomas Aquinas. Like you're not off the hook just because you haven't heard the ethic. Thou shalt not murder. It's written in your heart. You know that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you're still culpable there. So um, what if I later realized that the decision was, was made, made on, on greed or vice? I, I think, I think my, my thought is like, well then celebrate that. Celebrate that. If you find out later on that you made a decision and your greed was behind that, it's like... Now you can repent. Wow. That greed that was hidden, God has used this to bring it to the light. I get to repent of it now. This is great. Mm-hmm. Like So like, and I think there's the presumption that like, we we don't have any sin in us and like we need to be perfect in order to mm-hmm. make decisions here. Here's the reality. We all got our crap. We all yeah. got our sins and our tainted nature, our fallen nature and our concupiscence that we're bringing into every single decision. And so do, why, why do we need to be so surprised when we find out that, okay, I, I've yeah, got some repenting was. to do with yeah. this. I always like asking them because I think going into the future kind of creates unnecessary anxiety around something that's already kind of anxious. Like yeah. they're already kind of 
feeling afraid of making this decision and then going in the future being like, well, here's another reason why I should be afraid. You know, um, I like saying, is it driven by greed or vice? <laughs> Just answer that question. Like as far as you know right now, and we're not pretending to be perfect, but like, mm-hmm. is there a part of you that it's maybe driven by that? Mm-hmm. And and there's just freedom in, in understanding and saying, yeah, maybe there is like a little piece of that. And then there's this large piece over here that is just like, I really, I really just desire this and, and I do see good in this. And even just giving percentages, I think is really helpful in this. So like mm-hmm. what percentage do you think it is driven by? It just, it makes it less ambiguous and it brings it back to, Hey, again, grounding. Yeah. Yeah. And also like you have an intellect, you can find the answer to this as of right now. Yeah. These, these, what ifs are, are questions, Mm -hmm. right? Posed as statements and they need to be answered intentionally, right? Especially for the melancholic that likes to stay in his or her head. Okay. And if you don't, oh man, you'll just keep asking question after question. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap up here with the phlegmatics. So, so three fears for the phlegmatics. What are they, Aaron? What if I get in too deep and there's no way out? Um, what if this decision costs more than I anticipated? And what if I end up wasting all of my time, but mainly energy or effort? I mm-hmm. would say they kind of equate time with effort, but mm-hmm. what if I end up wasting all of my energy or effort on this investment and this, um, this decision mm-hmm. and it doesn't work out? So, yeah, like, what if I waste my effort on it? Um, So the first one, yeah, what if I get in too deep and there's no way out? Once again, I'm going to use the same technique that I use for the melancholic. And it's like, what's the probability of you getting in too deep? Also define too deep. What does that look like? You know, like, let's stop being so ambiguous and big and Mm -hmm. be like, what does too deep look like? Like, just tell me what that looks like for you. And then what is the probability of that happening one to 10? Mm-hmm. I mean, those two, that double whammy, define the terms and like, let's get factual about it. And then the probability, it's like, that is a game changer for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's easy. You can just apply it to your life right now. So like whenever you're finding these really extreme statements, like this is how you respond mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And then the second question is, what's the probability of there being no way out? You know, that seems very dramatic. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not one way out. There's not, you know, maybe there's a back way or another way out. Mm -hmm. So what is the probability? One to ten. Okay. So what is the second question here? What if, or a second fear-inducing question, what if this decision costs more than I anticipated? What if there's some sort of unforeseen investment that Mm is beyond the horizon? over the horizon that I just, I'll, I'll only discover it then. Yeah. I think there's a couple of ways I would approach this. And sometimes I like just as a coach dropping the rope and even just asking myself this question, cause I'm secondary phlegmatic. And it's like, what if, what if you're right about that? What if it does cost more than you anticipated? Mm-hmm. What, what's going to happen? Worst case scenario that happens is you complain about it a little bit and it costs more like like you, you kind of are like ah bummer well you know, I mean, like, I, <laughs> so you we're, say that but like i also think of like worst case scenario is like i go back to like the first example and even like where the 
where the man ahead of time like didn't didn't count the costs and he went and built the building and then ran out of money and everybody's mm-hmm. like you fool so like there's there's i i think it's i think what this thought does is it keeps it keeps the cost in an ambiguous place. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it never actually defines what the cost is, but it never it the question that needs to follow or what I want to follow is like, okay, so what what costs like are you are you talking More about? More of here? what cost? Like yeah. and are you doing something that nobody has ever done before? Mm-hmm. Right? Or is there good counsel that you can talk to and you know figure some of this stuff out and 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 like there's there's ways of i mean there's a virtue of good counsel mm-hmm. where you can actually talk to people and and kind of like mitigate that risk and we're not going to mitigate 100 percent of the risk but we can mitigate it a lot and oh wouldn't it be interesting that jesus designs puts this desire in your heart to make something new and you need to rely on the body of christ to actually yeah you know prudently execute on what he's put on your heart yeah yeah, I like that, like, cost more of what, you know, and get clear mm-hmm. on the, de- de- defining the, that term. Yeah. But also, just back to what I was saying, it's like, what is the worst case scenario? And I think this is appealing to a, a phlegmatic because they are a little more stoic by nature and they mm-hmm. like kind of, I don't know, they like minimizing drama a little bit. So, like, what is the worst case scenario? You have a thought and an emotion, <laughs> like that mm-hmm. that's the worst case scenario you say to yourself this costs more than i anticipated and then you feel disappointed mm-hmm. that is the worst case scenario here right i mean that's that's kind of i think phlegmatics might applaud that i'm not sure but i know i like my phlegmatic side likes that it's like oh oh okay yeah that's not so bad okay so that starts to neutralize it for you a little yeah bit. okay so what if i end up final question what if i end up wasting my time and energy and on this investment and doesn't end up working out. Um, yeah, I, I think it's similar to the way that we, I think I would define the word wasting all of my energy. Like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. As um, if there was like no choice. And what is the probability of that happening? All of your energy. Right. And then um, it, it definitely doesn't work out. Like nothing works out. Like what is the probability of that happening? Of like mm-hmm. nothing actually working out. You learning absolutely nothing. You've grown not at all. You know, like what is that yeah, kind I of... Yeah, I like defining what waste is. Mm-hmm. Like what would make this an absolute waste for you? And even like then asking the question, once they define what that is, maybe, maybe it's like I, you know, I... I didn't get this. I don't. I don't know. Whatever they. But just defining what that waste is, mm-hmm. because sometimes that scenario is just like such a remotely. It's just impossible that scenario mm-hmm. of even playing out. Where it's just like, so the chance of you really arriving at this place where you've wasted, mm-hmm. is it really like? Is it even possible? Like, I, or what's the possibility of it? It's like oh, it's like ten percent, and it's just like okay, and with that ten percent. That's that ten percent is like you still having a thought that you wasted your time and you don't have to choose that thought. You can choose to like see this as a growing opportunity or investment or something like that. Even like that's that's yeah. how I might work work through. Yeah, that one. I think with a with a phlegmatic, I would I would consider what is what is what convicts them. Mm-hmm. Like like what is actually moving them to do this thing. And I do know that harmony and balance and consistency does convict 
them. They, so it's like, what if making this decision, um, actually created more, how, how could making this decision create more consistency and balance Mm -hmm. in the future? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, is that worth it to -hmm. you? And still giving them the freedom to say like, no, like, it's not worth it. It's not worth the wasting my energy mm, on this. Okay. But just kind of like framing it in that way, saying like, okay, I know that you're convicted by this. And you're motivated by this. Yes. You want this result. Like, mm-hmm. so so is there a way of like always being able to frame that you, you move towards this? Yeah. this it's kind of like know, more consistency, more. It's, is, is, the best, is the best case scenario for you worth the possible worst case scenario. Ah, I like that. That's kind of, is the best case scenario of finding consistency and balance in the future of your team or whatever this is worth the worst case scenario, which is wasting time depending on how they define, define that. Yeah. I I like that. And mm -hmm. the reason why I like that, because like that's, that's a balanced decision that's looking at all the evidence and even that, you know, that, that best case, worst case scenario tactic in in coaching, it, it has a way of just, kind of taking the excess emotion out mm-hmm. of a decision and the drama the, the drama that's there and mm-hmm. just kind of bringing you to maybe a more sto- sober place where reason can be engaged and and that's what we want to be doing we want to make decisions that are reasonable and rational yeah Good. yeah so there you guys go i mean obviously if you are not phlegmatic and that last one that we shared or the last couple that we shared work for you please go ahead and use it um, but we just found that these were common, common fears within these um, temperaments. And if you haven't taken our temperaments, coaching. yeah, yeah. And if you have not taken our temperaments assessment, we will put that link in mm-hmm. the it's always show there. notes. It's always go there. take it; it's free, and share it with your family members and find out about them, and then start using these decision making. Um, techniques and start optimizing your resources better yeah awesome see you guys hey guys if you liked what you learned here today consider joining our academy where you can take all these tools and learn how to apply them to your life supremely practical stuff and you get coached along the way in the process you are not by yourself we hope to see you in there